Naye Lupondwana on SAFM. Here we go. Let me introduce you to our guests in no particular order. We do have uh, Evangelist Eason Zanumwe, who's an evangelist who's also a Hebrew-Israelite evangelist. Good evening to you, and thank you for agreeing to talk to us again. And also we do have uh, Dr. Ira Jabidian, member of the Baha'i Faith and CEO of the Pan-African Investments and Research Services. Good evening to you, Dr. Abidian. Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Thank you very much for inviting me. Also, we do have Pastor Gerard Gerald Mulabe, who is a professional speaker on leadership. He's a business consultant, an entrepreneur, and a senior pastor of Revival Rain Center based in Brakban, east of Johannesburg. Pastor Mulabe, good evening to you, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Uh, good evening, good evening, Maya, and to your listeners. Let's jump right in and thank you very much to all of you gentlemen for coming through and talking to us. And most importantly, would like to hear your views as the listener. This program is for you. We've invited these experts for you to engage with them. They too would like to hear what you have to say. And we are most interested in the fact of the faith, not necessarily just the feelings we have about it. I'm going to begin with the newcomer, the newbie in our program, Pastor Mushabe, who is a professional speaker on leadership. He's a business consultant. Once again, he's an entrepreneur and a senior pastor of Revival Rain Center based in Brakbani, East of Johannesburg. Uh, pastor Mushabe, should government provide uh, any support, any economic relief for religious organizations? Yes, uh, the government should should do exactly just what you have said. Why? I'm going to give you a number of reasons. One, uh, the church uh, is is an employer. Uh, it employs many people, and those people who are employed by the church they do pay taxes. And another thing, the church is involved in humanitarian work. They feed the poor, they give food to the poor and all that, and they are based in communities where they do a humanitarian work. So based on that, I think the government should just do that. Uh, here's another thing. Uh, during the time of a pandemic, uh, we had a lockdown, of course, and churches stopped operating. And we know that the church, depend, uh, the church depends on the collection of free will offering and tithes in order for them to, uh, to, to keep afloat financially. And that stream completely dried up uh, during the time of pandemic. And now when that stream dried up, then uh, the humanitarian work or the altruistic work that the church has to do in terms of feeding the poor uh, got affected. Uh, the, the, the employees whom the church must pay that got affected as well. So, based on those reasons, I'm of the uh, view that the government should provide social relief to churches. Okay. All right. Um, Dr. Abedian, your take. Thank you very much. Uh, I think the Baha'i Faith, the way it's organized, as you know, uh, doesn't have any priests, doesn't have any paid religious leaders, uh, and the hierarchy and the organization of the Baha'i community locally, nationally, and internationally are, are completely different in the, in the sense that there aren't paid people. Those who lead the community are through administrative bodies that are elected, and they operate on, 
voluntary basis and unpaid, very importantly. However, contributions are voluntary, and it's an interesting uh, to note that uh, events like pandemics or other conditions don't necessarily affect people's uh, contributions. Of course, those who are affected, uh, they may contribute less, but um, there are others who contribute more, and activities philanthropic and community-related uh, affairs of the community continue. So in that context, the Baha'i faith is, is, not, uh, is, is not dependent upon uh, contributions in, in the conventional uh, church and other organizations. And very importantly, uh, the Baha'i faith, in running its affairs, is not allowed to um, receive contributions from those who are not Baha'is. So even if the government wanted to contribute, it cannot be used for running the affairs of the Baha'i community. So in that context, uh, it's a very different uh, question, and the question in effect doesn't arise within the Baha'i community. So for you, whether the government supports religious communities or not, it's immaterial? Um, well, not that it's irrelevant. We're saying that we need to rethink organization of religion. We have to redefine the role of religion in the society and see it as a completely different uh, agency in promoting social welfare, spiritually as well as materially. I, I understand. I, I got that point. But what I'm trying to establish is when you say that question does not arise, it implies that in the event that it is answered in the affirmative or not, it would not matter because in your community and in your words, that question does not arise. That's right. And effectively, we are saying that if you re rethink the organization, government shouldn't be paying religious organizations because nobody should be getting paid to um, discharge um, the spiritual, moral, social responsibilities. Um, so if you redefine the relationship between the society and, and, and religion and religious activities, then the notion that somebody got to pay me to, to, to serve the society, uh, suddenly it makes it non-religious, it makes it material, it makes it uh, as if you're making money from the religion of God and, and the spiritual engagement. All right, let's bring in the evangelist. He's a Hebrew Israelite. He's an evangelist, um, uh, giving us some perspective from that side. Evangelist, your take. Should government support people of faith, uh, organizations? When we look at the, uh, the congregation of Yashra'ah, uh, there is no way in our scriptures where we are told that uh, the government or the king or the ruler should 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 uh, uh, should uh, give financial assistance to the to the to the to, to the hierarchy of the spiritual leaders you know the scriptures are very clear that uh, those who worked in the in the temple were sustained by the offerings and the tithes of Yashra'al. the problem that we have had is that uh, when a man a king or a queen starts to have unduly uh, influence because of what they are doing for the religious leaders. It always led to apostasy. Uh, we, we, we have some examples in Scripture. I, I, I could find two where the, the king would want to have, to, to have influence on the prophets or on the, 
on the on the religious people. And every time, like it happened like that in Book of Numbers, for instance, Balim, Balak wants to influence Balim to do something. And we have Jezebel in the Book of First Kings, chapter 18. She has got uh, people that she influences of how faith should be conducted in Yashra'ah. So we need to stay clear of one another. The state must stay clear as it is. And the assembly must stay clear as, as, as it is. There's, there is, there is, there, it is not permitted that the state should have unduly influence on, on, the, on, the, on, on the assembly. Now, once the kings and the government or the governors start giving money to the, to the, to, to the church, there is a problem. Yeah. There is a problem. Then yeah. The government will start to control. And, and the, the, the spiritual man who is supposed to, to be the one who checks the, the king or the government, his mouth is tight because he, of the money that he's receiving from there. You know, there is a lot of compromising that will come into play once we have the government having influence over the, over, 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 over the, 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 the religious uh, structures. Okay. All right. Um, from the very outset, I want to involve any and everybody. I want to read the texts that have been sent on Twitter um, so that we can... All right. Um, uh, we will not be reading those. Um, let us uh, uh, get to this this issue. When, when, when we're talking about economic relief, we're not talking about some sustained support. We're not talking about everyday support. It's a matter of in this situation, seeing that they're no longer able to support themselves um, by whatever means they were able to support themselves. Is there no need to provide support to these South Africans in this sector? Take note, we're not focusing on perpetual and uh, forever and ever. We're talking about temporary relief for the time being up until they are back on their feet, proverbially. Would that, that uh, not apply there, Evangelist? You know, there, there is a problem. You see, problems come in, the, in those little packages. Once, once you start something... It's, 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 you know, we don't know when will it end and how far will it go? You, you know, temporary relief, the government is doing it. People are being called to, 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 to register so that they can get uh, a relief. But that or does not think, apply to religious organizations, sir. No, no, no. no. The religious organizations, these are non-governmental or non-profit making organizations, right? Correct, yes. You can't place them in the same capacity as, as businesses that, Correct. That, that are employing people That's right. paying taxes. These NPOs, they are not paying any taxes. No, it's not an excuse that the people that are contributing to the, to the, to the church are paying taxes. Even the, even the companies that have got people who are paying taxes, yeah. they pay taxes for themselves. Yeah. So, so by, by, by their very existence as an, as an entity, they don't deserve to get anything. Yeah. But the people within those organizations, say, say the congregants themselves, the deacons, the elders, uh, the, whatever structure they have, they've got, they've got access to get the help that the government has offered to everyone. All right. We cannot single out church structures that they receive, that, that they receive uh, help from the state because they don't qualify to do that. And if they are true, uh, you know, like what I said last, last time, as long as these churches do not fit in 
they do not answer to the scripture. Their structures are not in conformity with the scriptures. They have no right to expropriate the blessings from the scriptures. All right. Pastor Mutlabe, you're listening to Dr. Abedian and Evangelist Zanuma. They're somewhat, uh, well, Pastor Abedian, uh, Dr. Abedian is indifferent. Quite frankly, he doesn't see any need for anyone who's providing spiritual services to be remunerated. And as far as Evangelist, he's directly opposed to it. How do you respond to these callings of yours? Okay. Um, here is the thing, now. Um I think we remember that on the 10th of December last year, there was a tragedy that occurred in the uh, place of Mamelodi. Uh, what happened there is that uh, the, the residents who were stayed in shacks, the flood came and swept away their shacks, and we saw the church there. I will just, uh, because it's, 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 it's in, in public space. Uh, the name of the church is uh, Mamelodi uh, Baptist Church. They housed those people. They started feeding those people. And recently, uh, they came out and they, and they said that we have been feeding these people, and now, because of the lockdown, it is very hard to feed these people. So what I'm saying is that we, we must look at what the church is doing, because what many people uh, do is that they, they overlook uh, at what the church is doing uh, with regard to uh, economic contribution. Uh, the church is feeding the poor. The church has got, has got employees. That's your choice there, uh, Pastor, isn't it? So now, here's the thing. During the time of a pandemic, when the calamity strikes and it affects the financial revenue or the revenue of the church, then when the, the government comes in, the, the government comes in on a temporary basis, just like they do when they help companies. Remember I, I, to, I, uh, I understand, Pastor. What I'm trying to establish, I need you to respond to what Dr. Abedian said, for example, that there's no need to remunerate you for doing what is your spiritual responsibility. Respond to that kindly. All right. I think I'm responding to that. Uh, remember, the, the, the church gets, gets money from the contributions of the church members, right? And the tithes as well. So now, here we are talking about during the time of a, 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 a pandemic. So during the time of, of a pandemic, uh, though, uh, the, the, the collection thereof, the revenue thereof, gets affected so severely to such a point that, remember the church pay bills, uh, uh, rates and taxes and all that. And, 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 and there are some many churches that are paying bonds every, every, uh, every month. So now, during the time of a pandemic, those things get affected so severely. So now when we say that the government must come in, we, we say that the government must come in so that the, the whole process of helping the, 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 the needy, the whole process of doing humanitarian work, uh, feeding the poor must not stop because the money is no more there to sustain such kind of project. Can, can we then understand what you're saying to mean that it is not driven by God? Your church's work is not driven by God. It's driven by people and their money. When people are not there with their money, God's work fails. Am I understanding that well? All right, here's the thing. The thing is, God, God has, uh, 
a way of working and God uses people to work. It does not mean that we depend more on people and we don't depend upon God. It means exactly that, sir. That's why I'm saying to you, if you're saying that people are no longer there offering, that effectively means when God depends on people and people are not there, God is failing in his job. No, he's not failing. He's not failing. Why then do you want government to take over what God is supposed to be doing? It's not, this is not uh, the government taking over. It's not about the government taking over. It's about the government providing a particular kind of relief during the time of pandemic. Can't your God do that, Pastor? Remember, even in the USA, in the US, like recently, uh, the, the, the federal government there provided relief to, to the religious sector during the time of pandemic. Yeah, I, I hear you, sir. But what I'm asking you is, is it not the responsibility of your God to provide? It's God's responsibility to provide, but now let's have a look, uh, have a look at how God provides. What avenues does God use? All right, if you are listening to Evangelist Zanumwa there, God was providing all the time. There was no time in your scriptures where government stepped in, even in times of famine. Kindly respond to that. Even during the time, you are saying that in the scriptures, God, uh, the government never stepped in. Yes. Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even though, even though, remember, we are living in different times. What times are those, sir? This, we are living in the time of a pandemic, right? Now the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, there were epidemics then, sir. I beg your pardon? There were epidemics then. There were pandemics yes. then also. So there's nothing different about pandemics now. Yes, I, I agree there were pandemics there. So what do you mean that we're living in different times, sir? So now, when I'm saying we're living in different times, I'm saying that the fact that we want the government to provide relief, uh, that in itself is not a problem. It's not something wrong. Because here's the thing. I understand, sir. I need you to respond to what the evangelist suggested. The evangelist suggested that what you're saying is unscriptural. He's saying it's unscriptural. Yes, sir. That the government should uh, should step in. Remember, the, 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 the government is set up by God, right? According to the scriptures? Yes. Yes. It's God who decides who should be in government? Yes. And all that. Correct. And, and even according to the scriptures... We, we, must, we must obey the authorities, right? Correct, yes. So now, if the very same authorities, the very same government that has been set by God, and then is approached to come in on a temporary basis during the time of a pandemic or distress, According to what text, I don't think sir? there is any problem there. Well, the evangelist seems to identify a number of problems. You heard him breathing fire there. I yes, need you to respond to what he said. Kindly respond to what he said, sir. Where do you get it from that your government is supposed to step in? I beg your pardon? Where do you get it from in your scriptures that government is supposed to step in? Where do I get it from in the scriptures that the government should should step in? Yes, sir. I, I think I provided the fact that for the mere fact that God set up the government, which is recognized by God, so whatever thing that the government has to do in support to his work or in in support to his work during the time of a pandemic, 
I don't think there is anything wrong there. Of course. Am I, am I to understand that you bring to us your opinion, not necessarily what the text says, because you're not offering us any text that's going to support that opinion. If, you, if you're offering us only your opinion, we'll take that, sir. But we were hoping that you'd share a text, some evidence to support that opinion. All right. Here's the thing, Knight. Yes, sir. Here's the thing. We, we really have to look at the, at the whole issue as well from the economic point of view. I was hoping we'd look for it, look at it from the scriptural point of view, sir. That's why you're here the, to give us the, the scriptural support. Yes, the scriptures also they, they they have a sense of economy in it. All right, right, share with us those scriptures that have the sense of economy. The scriptures, but all right, I, I think I don't think you understand what I'm saying. When, when I say that we we I, I want to bring into the picture because now. Uh, what is happening here is that the evangelists on the other side raised some the, the opposing view to yes, what sir. I'm saying. Yes, sir. And 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 now, I, I want to say to you that when you look at the church, that the way the church operates, because there have been arguments saying that the church does not add any economic value, and that is not true. Okay, that it, was not it, his it, argument, sir. Would you like to respond to his argument? Now look at this. Now listen to me. Hold on, Pastor. Would you like to respond to what he said? You're making up arguments that he never made. He never even argued in the in the space of whether the church has an any economic value. That's not his argument. And you to respond to that. I offered you to respond to Doctor Abedian, and I'm asking you to respond to Evangelist Zinum. Would you like to respond to them? All right. The evangelist. He's saying that according to his faith, right? According to his faith, the government should not support the church because they're going to have an undue influence. That's what he's saying. Yes, he quoted the scriptures. Remember that according to the scriptures. And unfortunately for you, you and the evangelists are using the exact same scriptures. We are using the very same... Ex- All right, but, but I disagree with him when he says that the government is, is going to have an undue influence on the church. Because the question is, how is the government going to have an undue influence on the church? Okay, I'll take it that you have offered only your opinion and your rebuttal is a question. We'll take that, sir. Dr. Abidin, you're listening to um, the pastor, Mushabe. He's suggesting that the church is also an employer. And in spite of the fact that the dispensing um, of spiritual duties, they are still employees. How do you respond to that? Yeah, I think that is true that the way uh, historically institutionalized religions, churches, uh, and other temples are organized, there are people who are employed there. And uh, and what we need to do, as I, as I suggested, in terms of of uh, the Baha'i way of administrating the society, is that the Baha'i administration says, yes, we need drivers, we need cooks, we need secretaries, and so on, to do certain things, but those need to be based on the community's ability to, 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 to take care of them, to pay for those services. So those who are in charge of the administration of the high community, they need to budget in terms of the, 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 the donations that they get, and as I mentioned, this is only donations from the Baha'is, and uh, the members of the community uh, are very conscious spiritually that these people have to be paid, these functions have to be taken care of, and therefore they factor that into their budgeting. For me, as a member of the Baha'i community, taking care of my subsistence and my family is as important as the broader family, the broader community, which is 
the, the members of the community. And incidentally, in Naya, the, the, a lot of activities that the Baha'is do locally and internationally is not just for the Baha'i members. It is service to humanity. It's, it's a much broader, of course, subject to their ability, subject to their means, but whatever means they have, however little it is, it is as part of serving the bigger community. So religion is seen and contribution based on religious belief is seen as part of your planning your finances. So, yes, there are people who have to be paid, but those are budgeted for, and people are very mindful that in tough times, especially like now, they got to contribute more, not less. And that contribution has to go, not just paying those who have to conduct services, but the wider community needs more services. There are more poor, more unemployed, more um, elderly, and, and orphans that need to be taken care of. So, Again, it comes back to reconceptualizing what this donation is about. It is about a spiritual obligation to putting religion and religious activities at the service of the welfare of the community, not just who are members of the Baha'i faith. Of course, as much as they can. All right, let's let's talk a bit about the Baha'i faith. You have the Universal House of Justice. Those men, dare I say there, are paid. You may call it a stipend if you want to call it. But you have a budget of 36 million U.S. dollars. What well, was was well, that was big then in 2010? It could have jumped 10 times now. I don't know. But the Universal House of Justice doesn't go with people who are going there voluntarily. Your leaders they, there, uh, the Baha'i Faith, uh, are given some money. They, they are paid for because they're working. The Universal House of Justice is the only institution that is on full time on five yearly terms. And the only pay that they get is their food. The money that the budget that you mentioned and the and cars that they and, and their homing, sir. Global humanity. Doctor Obedient, uh, it's fact, not just majority of the Doctor Obedient, Doctor Obedient, let's uh, let's 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 get this clear and unless you're gonna say it doesn't happen any longer. It's not just food. They are given car allowances. They're given housing allowances for their apartments, their accommodations. That is not just food. Or has thing, have things changed now? Or have I they? It's subsistence in terms of uh, the the houses are not there. If they are five years there, they've got for the duration of the five. They've got five years. They've got the right to occupy that place. Therefore, because they don't have any job they get a stipend to take care of their basics. And then after five years, if they're not elected, they're on their own. They have to take care of their lives. And <coughs> therefore, there is no career in terms of just because they're members of the House of Justice. Now, they, they how, how then, how then, then Dr. Abidian, how then do you disagree with Pastor Mutabi when he says there needs to be some support for these men and women because they are employees? After all is said and done, they yeah. need to eat one way or the other. And you sounded as though these people ought to do it for free. There is no need to remunerate people who are discharging their spiritual duties. And yet, they're those men of the Universal House of Justice. They are being paid for their five-yearly five term of dispensing with their spiritual duties. How do you dispute that? And yet, it's happening in your faith, sir. Those, neither those payments that are necessary, as I've highlighted before, they are paid for by the donations of the members. I said there is no need for government 
to to to, to subsidize government cannot take the taxpayers' money and and pay somebody who who has to discharge we, we are together, uh, Doctor Abini. Administrative responsibilities. We are together. Yes, then what so happens when now those members are no longer paying? Contributions of the Baha'is. I make it as one, knowing that there are nine members who have to be uh, taken care of, and there are many others who, who are discharging administrative functions who have to be paid for. But no government should subsidize that. It's the uh, donations, voluntary donations of the members of the Baha'i community. I, I understand, sir. Th- that, that's where we are right now. When the members of the Baha'i faith are no longer remitting anything or offering anything, what needs to happen to the members of the Universal House of Justice or the NSA, for that matter? Who is supposed to fund them when the members are no longer funding them? The members of National Association Assembly, they don't, go, don't get paid. If that moment comes, and over the past 170-odd years of the Baha'i history, never has happened during the war or famine or otherwise, that the, House of, that the Baha'i international community has run out of budget, out of donations, so that the stipends of the House members could not be paid. It hasn't happened and it won't happen simply because the manner in which individuals consciously, mindful of the circumstances, contribute in order to take care of the affairs of the, of the Baha'i community locally, nationally, internationally. The proof of it now is that in 170 years it has not happened. Um, come war, no war, come crisis or no crisis. Okay. I'm not sure if I understand you well. Did you say that um, no one in the NSA, the National Spiritual Assembly, gets paid? None of the members get paid. The only person in some countries where the affairs of the community requires that somebody is permanently employed. Like the secretary. So to take charge of this, when the secretarial responsibilities, yes. those individuals get to start. Now, let's, but let's, members let's... do not get paid because they are a member of National Spiritual Assembly. I understand, sir. That's exactly where we are right now. When there is no money to fund them, should government not support those people, those employees? Should their national governments in their respective countries, as is the case here in the Republic of South Africa, when those employees are no longer funded by their organizations or their organizations are no longer able to raise a budget to fund them, should their governments not pay for them? That's what the pastor was arguing for there, that when there's various communities are not able to fund the organizations, the government must step in. That's what the pastor was saying. Naya, the Baha'i scriptures are quite clear yeah. that if, the, if a moment comes that non-Baha'is contribute, the Baha'i administration and the Baha'i community is not allowed to receive that to pay salaries and to do whatever they have to do. Yeah. That is put it very bluntly, if that arises, it means that the Baha'i community members have lost their spiritual energy, their engine has gone <laughs> stolen. It means that their connectivity to the spiritual realm and their mission and their belief has dried up. That's what essentially this means. And therefore, the Baha'i community is not allowed to, even if the government comes and says, I want to pay you in order to pay your salaries and pay your rent and take care of your basics, they are not allowed to take it. It's a fundamental difference here. All right. Um, Evangelist, you've been listening to Pastor Mutabe uh, dis- differing with you. Quite frankly, he is directly saying what you're saying is not in the scripture to say they should not be funded. Would you like to respond to, the, to Pastor Mutabe? 
No, no. I, I, I thought you would give a, a scripture that would actually tell us that uh, uh, the government should uh, fund a church structure. You know, my, my, my problem is, is that the government has gone out and has classified all the people in South Africa. And they said, these will get this, this will get this, this will get this. Never mind whether the government has done it or not. But what I pick up when the government is speaking is that it wants to take care of everyone who is in a dire need. So having done that, the government has covered the constituents that is normally covered by the church. So that therefore, what the church is claiming it wants to do, it falls away. If there are people, say the pastors or whatever, their structures, they are like, who need assistance, they are also covered. They will have to register as other people are doing, and they get assistance in their individual capacities. That's what the government has said. There is no place for, 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 for those who believe in the scriptures to go to the government and say the government must support Abayawa's congregation. Abayawa's congregation has always taken care of it by himself. And, and we believe that once, once, once we, we, we try to amalgamate these two, the church and the state together, it's a recipe for problems going forward. You can say now, that this is a temporary uh, uh, pandemic. How do we know we don't have COVID-2020? How do we know we don't have COVID-21? How do we know that in view of all these uh, catastrophes that are coming, the government is not going to enact laws that may be contrary to our belief? And if we are, if the government is going to make such laws that are contrary to our belief, how are we going to stand against the hand that is feeding us? There is, there is my problem. That, that's, that's how I view it from, from a scriptural perspective. He, he, Pastor Mutala is suggesting that there is no evidence to suggest that government would be overreaching, as you were implying. No, scripture, scripture has shown us, once the government has got uh, uh, power over, over, over the spiritual man, uh, they, then, they, then, then we have got Jezebel trying to instruct how worship must be done. Right? And, and because, because these people are fed from the hands of Jezebel herself, they, they they can't they can't resist they can't resist here. So we have seen these things happening. It's a reality that once the <coughs> government starts to have influence on the for, on, forgive on, me, evangelist. On, on the I, I think I I, I must be problems. I must have misheard you, evangelist. Did you say that they could not resist Jezebel? No, they couldn't. Those, the prophets of Baal couldn't resist Jezebel. The prophets of Baal. We're not talking about yes. the prophets of Baal here. We're talking about the people that were supposed to be representing Yahweh. But, they but, resisted. But they is, ran, and they fell, and they fled, and they went to the mountains. Now, they now, did. Now, I'm giving you an example where, 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 where authority has influence over a, a religious people. You see, that example is, is very simple. religious system, just like Christianity is a religious system. With, with respect, evangelists, remember that example is very, very one-sided. There were two communities there: the prophets of Baal, and then the, 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 there was Elisha, and then and the, the prophets of God. These yes. are the ones who resisted. The yeah, Jezebel. Elijah, Elijah and the 700 others. Yes, they resisted them, Jezebel. Right? They, they, they resisted. And, and, and the rest of Yashua, remember, the rest of Yashua was, really, was, was not known where it was standing. Well. Because of the, because of the influence that the king had. Remember, 
what, 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 the whole nation. Remember what the pastor was arguing there, Evangelist. The pastor was arguing that these are people of God and there is no evidence to say that the government would be overreaching as far as the people of God, not the people of Baal. And the pastor is suggesting that you don't have any evidence to suggest that no, when there's a relationship between government and the people of God. Is there's a... the nation of, of but where where do you where do you point out any overreach as far as the people of God are concerned? Don't don't involve the people of Baal. Listen, He's not representing the, the people of Baal listen, here. Listen, listen to the to the scripture. What yeah. is the conversation between Ahab and 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 and, and Yahu? Give us give you us the text. Give, of give give us right? the text, evangelist. Evangelist, give us the text that we can read it together. Okay. Let's go to 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 First Kings, okay, chapter eighteen. If you get the verse earlier than me, First Kings chapter eighteen. Yeah, it, yeah, chapter eighteen. All right. Do you have a particular verse you want us to read there, Evangelist? All right. Let me let me look for it. Do you do you know which verse, or are you gonna find out which verse you want us the to read? The number of the verse, I, I I don't have it now. But this is a conversation between Eliyahu and Ahab, and uh, Ahab is accusing Eliyahu that you are the traveler of Yeshua. And then 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 Eliyahu says, No, you and your father's house are the traveler of Yeshua. So that's that's the verse that I want. So when, when get, you're saying Eliyahu, you mean you mean Elijah? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, remember we don't understand all what okay, you say. Okay, Elijah, okay. Yes, Elijah. sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, yes. find the verse for us and then you can tell us where exactly it is that you're talking about so that you can be able to respond to what the pastor is alleging there. Again, the pastor is saying there is no scriptural evidence to suggest that when there's a relationship between the people of God and government, there would be any governmental overreach. And he's asking you to share some yeah, yes, text. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it. All right, which verse is it, sir? Uh, verse 17. Uh, uh, chapter 18 verse 17 chapter 18 verse 17 yes. my my version reads and this is the NIV if you don't, don't like it I'll find another one it reads when he saw Elijah he said to him is that you you troubler of Israel right. I have not made trouble for Israel Elijah replied but you but you and your father's family have you have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals now yes. summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring okay, the 450 let, prophets of Baal. Let, let me just say this thing. Yeah. You see, at that time, Ahab's house it, 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 it made a priesthood, right? Yeah. Which he was feeding, which priesthood was, 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 was under his control. And that priesthood had misled the whole nation of Yashra'ah. To, 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 to worship Balim, and only a few were left who, 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 were, who, who were obeying Abayawa. So what I'm saying is, once the king has got an influence on worship, he is bound to mislead the nation, is bound to mislead the congregation. But w- w- there is no evidence of misleading anyone here, sir. This is a conversation between Elijah, Obadiah, and Ahab. Again, there is no evidence of misleading here because, again, Elijah resists the suggestions of Ahab in spite of the presence of Obadiah. We don't have any evidence that what, is, that what the pastor is saying is, is incorrect, quite frankly. This verse right here you've quoted... It shows how Elijah withstood the overreach that was attempted by uh, Ahab. Now, when yes, you read the scripture, uh, you need to read the chapters before and the chapters after and that whole chapter. The story, I assume you guys, you know the story. The story is about the apostasy of, of Yashra'ah as a result 
of the kings of Yashra'ah who were misleading. King after king was misleading Yashra'ah into bow worship. And by this time, the whole nation of Yashra'ah was in bow worship as a result of the control of the king. This is the problem why it starts from, it starts from Yeroboam. Who changed the festivals of Abayawa from the seventh month? He put them on the eighth month. N- no, sir. No, sir. Actually, it began with Jeroboam's uh, uh, predecessor and Jeroboam's contemporary, which is uh, Rehoboam. It was Rehoboam, no, Jeroboam, and so on. I'm talking about I understand. Rehoboam. All I'm saying, sir, is what we're talking about now, as far as this situation in chapter 18 of Elijah's, yes. Elijah's conversation, uh, uh, sending to Mount Carmel, Elijah resists. He resists what is, has been tried by Ahab. And we, what I'm saying to you is the pastor, Pastor Mutabe, has been suggesting that you don't have ev- evidence to suggest that when there is a relationship between uh, the people of God, as na, is represented na, by na, Elijah, na, there would na, be overage. Give us evidence of that, sir. Na, are you denying that in this particular instance, when there is this discussion that is taking place, Yashra is in apostasy. Are you denying that? We're not talking about Israel, sir. We're talking about these prophets of Israel. Remember, we're talking about no, also these men of God were supposed to be paid. We're talking about the congregation and the leadership. All right. Hold the thought. I want to take a break and come back. When we come back, we'll come back and chew on this matter. And by the way, you're most welcome to join in the conversation. We are trying to establish if the men of God who are working for God in these communities of faith must be assisted by government. And the ar- the argument of the, of the evangelist is, well, government should not ever have to fund these people because there will be governmental overreach. Stand by. Hashtag SAFM Facts of Faith. Welcome back and thank you very much for sticking around. You're still listening to Facts of Faith. We're trying to get to some kind of direction. And I would like to hear your comments on the matter. The question we're asking, should government provide economic relief for religious organizations? Evangelist Zanum was suggesting there is no need, quite frankly, according to him, there is no scriptural support for anyone being paid. Pastor Mutabe says, well, during times of this ilk, the government must help. These are his citizens, their citizens. And quite frankly, according to him, there is no reason. There's no scriptural, well, argument against this. And then you're hearing Dr. Obedience suggesting that, quite frankly, if you are doing your spiritual duties, why should you want to be paid? Even those in his faith that are paid, they're not paid. They're just given a stipend and assisted here and there because of the term of office they're in. Make your opinions, draw your own conclusions, share them with us. What do you make of what you're hearing from our guest tonight? Should government provide economic relief for religious organizations? And uh, our tussle with evangelists now is on what is happening on Mount Carmel, or at least leading up to Mount Carmel. That's in First uh, Kings chapter 18. This is after they had been a number of arguments and many of the prophets of God, Yahweh, killed and slaughtered by Jezebel and Ahab. And now we're talking about a situation where many who did not want to bow to the prophets of Baal and Baal uh, had to, force, to be forced to bow or be killed. And Elijah flees, runs away, 
he's coming back now to stand up to Ahab and he's in this situation verse 16 says so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him and Ahab went to meet Elijah when he saw Elijah he said to him is that you you troubler of Israel and it's referring to how Israel was nice and happy under the leadership of Ahab and the prophets of Baal and Baal verse 18 I have not made trouble for Israel Elijah replied but you you and your father's family have you have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah we who eat at Jezebel's table if you remember quite well, before then, uh, we are talking about Solomon who started by building poles to Asherah and Chemosh and all those. And then later on, Solomon's son does the very same thing with that one tribe, uh, Rehoboam. And then the other ten tribes given to Jeroboam. And then we see uh, the, the just... It goes downhill from there, from Solomon. It goes downhill. And that's what the evangelist now is bringing to us. Evangelist, help us walk this path with you. Are yes, you Nye, the... Yes, Nye. Let, yeah. me, let, let, let me explain this. Yeah. You should understand that Israel, or Yashra'a, is a congregation of worshippers. Yes. Right. Now, this is a nation, this is a worshipping nation. Now, this worshipping nation is being misled by kings who are coming and having unduly influence on the congregation, on the worshipping aspects of the congregation. Yes. And as a result of that, Abaya has got his prophets who are, trying, who are taking people back to the commandments of Abayawa. Now, the, the, the confrontation is there because kings are meddling up with worship issues which they should not they must keep clear from 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 from, 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 from the from the assembly that's, that, that's the argument that i'm trying to bring here i understand and, sir but i want you i want when they do when they when they do that then you are going to have a clear distinction of separation of church and the state and that allows for the church to move as it is supposed to move according to the scripture. Remember, here, remember, evangelists, we're not suggesting that there should be an amalgamation between church and state. We I, are, however, hearing the pastor suggesting that the state, which is the custodian, which is set, has been set up by God to govern over the people, it must look after its people in spite I, of the fact that they are under I a religious community. I am saying, they, they, how far do we know what if we have another COVID-2020, another COVID-21? How far is the, is, is the interference of states going to go? Because it is my understanding... You're calling already, it interference, evangelist, but that's not I, what the pastor is I, calling it. You're I, calling it interference. It is, my, it is my understanding that already the state is taking care of everyone. All right. All right. So there is no need for a church to come out as a separate entity to be looked after. It's not a business... Got it, got it. I want to I wanna give them the opportunity to respond to you and then we conclude our conversation there, Evangelist Pastor. You have one minute to respond to what the evangelist is and then Dr. Abidin, you'll have one minute also to conclude. Go ahead, Pastor. All right. Um, yeah, I, I heard what the evangelist has said, but here's the thing. When you look at the story of Joseph 
uh, in the book of Genesis chapter, chapter 41, and when he interpreted the, the, the two dreams of Pharaoh, which were of one and the same interpretation. Uh, when you look at the counsel or the, the advice that Joseph gave to King Pharaoh, uh, that, that was strategic management at its best, and that had influence on the economy of Egypt by then. So Joseph representing the church, they influenced the whole direction of the economy of Egypt, All right. not the other way around. All right, let's give Dr. Abidian to have the final word on the matter. Go ahead, Dr. Abidian. Yes, I think, as I mentioned, not only the government should not be um, contributing and the Baha'is are not allowed to receive such a contribution. Yeah. The opposite is true. In times of pandemic, the community, the Baha'i community has been mindful of what's happening around, uh, contributing to the communities, alleviating uh, pressure and, and tension, distributing food parcels, taking care of the communities in the poorer areas right across the country to the extent, to the maximum extent that they can. And very importantly, given the way the Baha'i community is global, even supporting from one country to another, the countries that they can, and they are less affected than the countries that are more affected. So that is in the spirit of bringing about care and sympathy and empathy for generality of humankind. That is the spirit in which the Baha'i faith approaches the role of, of, of religion, and Got therefore it. it helps the government, not right. relies on government. Let's, let's leave it right society. there. Thank you very much, Dr. Abedian. Roger Abedian is a member of the Baha'i Faith and CEO of the Pan-African Investments and Research Services. Thank you very much, Dr. Abedian. Isins Numwe is an evangelist who is a Hebrew Israelite. Evangelist, thank you very much for coming through and talking to us. And Pastor Gerald Mutlabe, who is a professional speaker and leader, uh, on leadership, and he is from Revival Rain Center based in Brockbine in East Johannesburg. For me and I, Lupondo and the team, have a wonderful evening. Godspeed.